It's so good to see you this morning. Let me grab one of these to show you. If um, We're St. Thomas's. My name's James, and um, we're in St. Hilda's. I'm looking around, there's so many familiar faces here. Good morning. And um, there's some new faces too. If you're visiting us for the first time here, we're weeks away from our new building. We've got one of these cards. It says, I'm new. There's pens at the back. Uh, look for someone in the welcome team. They've got a lanyard or a staff member. We'd love to have the opportunity to give you the warmest welcome we possibly can here at St. Thomas. This is a fantastic church family to be part of. And so we would love to drop you an email or call you in the week and say hello, explain a little bit more about who we are, um, what God's doing with us at the moment. Um, our vision as a church, what we think God's calling us to do is to follow Jesus, love Newcastle, and build community. And um, is the microphone okay? Thank you, Gary. Um, so that's, we'd love to tell you a little bit more about that. Following Jesus, building community, loving Newcastle, like a stick of rock, you cut us, that's what you'll see here. Um, and what we're going to be doing over the summer, so there's a couple of weeks we've got together. We're looking at this book, Andrew Wilson, using different parts of the Bible. And the, the key idea in this book is that all of creation is given to us as a gift, and it points back to God. It is all given to us to help us to worship God and to enjoy him. And today it is rocks. I'm going to read from Psalm 118 now, and then we're going to consider a rock. And my prayer is throughout this week, every single time you go about your day and you spot a rock on the floor, it causes you to pause, to stop, and to worship Jesus. You're probably not going to get much done because you'll see plenty of rocks, I'm sure, as you go about your week. But let me read from Psalm 118 Verses 22 to 23 now. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Let me read it again, because it's only two verses. I'm going to look at a New Testament passage in a moment as well. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is is marvelous in our eyes. So here's how we're going to spend our time together. We're going to ask, what is a cornerstone? What does it tell us about Jesus? And how does this relate to my life? So what is a cornerstone? Because in ancient architecture, they didn't really have the steel beams and the concrete that we have today. So this, for you lovely ladies and gentlemen, and boys and girls, is my visual representation today of a cornerstone. Because what we know about the cornerstone is, often it was the first stone to be laid. Every other stone from then on in would be keyed into this stone. So if this was our house, for example, the cornerstone would go in first. And then everything else would sort of be built around it. So when we've got the cornerstone laid, as precious as it was, it meant it was the most precious stone. When we've got it laid on the solid ground, from then on in, we can begin to map where the house will be. The cornerstone will dictate what the house will look like, so to speak. Another thing about the cornerstone was that it needed to be cut precisely. Because what was true about the cornerstone would be true about the house. So, for example, I have stolen from our rockery 
the wonkiest of stones that I could possibly find. And if this was to be our cornerstone, because the straight lines are all over the place, the house would go off in multiple tangents. But because this stone is straight and clean cut, the house is more likely to be strong and clean cut. What is true about the cornerstone is true about the house. You could say the lines of the cornerstone would become the lines of the house. And finally, the last thing, there's multiple things to tell you, but the one I'm going to tell you one more thing about the cornerstone today is that it needs to be strong. If there is any compromise in the cornerstone, because all of the stones are built on this one, if it crumbles, the house is going to give way and we are in trouble. So there's just some things about the cornerstone. It's the first stone to go in. It has to be cut perfectly, and it needs to be strong. So builders would often take the longest amount of time to pick their cornerstones carefully. And so Andrew Wilson, in his book, says this about Psalm 118, which I found very helpful for us to consider today. He said this about the psalm. He said, Jesus likely sang this psalm with his friends at his last supper. Cast your mind back to Easter. Jesus is with his friends. He's about to share in the bread and the wine, something we're going to do later as we see again the bread and the wine broken for us, as we see the story of what Jesus' life was all about enacted. They sang this song. Andrew Wilson says it's kind of like Psalm 113 to 118 are something of the greatest hits of the nation of Israel. They would often sing it at Passover, and Psalm 118 is that last song, the highlight at the end of the track, and they would sing out, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And five days earlier, Jesus would quote this psalm too in Matthew 21 when he enters into Jerusalem, and he again riffs off this greatest hit to the people of Israel, explaining to them why he came in a parable. It's called the parable of the wicked tenants. And it's a story about a rejected son. And Jesus reframes that lyric in a pun, and he says, the rejected son has become the rejected stone. And that rejected stone will be the most foundational stone in which God will build his house. So here's the main point. All that background that we might not have known, I've tried to bring it to the forefront of our minds as we've read this psalm together. What is the main point here? It is remarkable that Jesus says that this stone describes his life. He was the first stone laid. Perfect in every way. Sinless, and strong, and he also was rejected, thrown out, but raised up again to new life for us all. So when Jesus sang that line in Psalm 118 with his friends at that last summer, as they were celebrating together the Passover, the Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. How true that is. I'm going to read from us now 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 8. And if you've got a Bible with you or you've got a phone with the Bible downloaded, 
If you'd want to get that out, that would be fantastic. But if you've not got one, don't worry, I'm going to read it out loud for us. And boys and girls, in a moment, we're going to do a craft with some stones and grown-ups too. So as you find that Bible passage, which is 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 8, I'm going to pass some stones out to the little ones so they can hold these stones and think about what the cornerstone might mean. And I'll share one more thought before we finish in a time of prayer together. So 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 8. If you want to pull that up and just let, let it read. Boys and girls... We're going to be thinking about stones, so I'm going to leave this here. And if you want to help yourself to one, and just hold it, and you can think too about what we're doing. But you've got to promise me, you've got to look after it, okay? You're going to turn it around in your hands, and I want you to feel for all the smooth bits and all of the hard bits. Do share out stones. There is enough for everybody. Let me read from 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 8 now. As... You come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves are like living stones, being built up into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those of you who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want us to think about falling over. I thought about doing one of those team exercises where I get everyone in the middle and they close their eyes and they lean and we've got to catch them. But I thought, um, I'll make, save time actually today. We're going to break bread together in a moment as a way of um, praying together to close up our time of worship. But let me just ask us the question, why is it that we fall over? Can anybody tell me, why do we stumble? Why do we trip? It's because our center of gravity is out of kilter. And so in short, following Jesus means shifting the center of our gravity onto him. We give up using our feet as our firm foundation and we choose to lean on Jesus, fall on him and his support and his feet become our sure and firm foundation. What is the cornerstone in our life? One way to think about it, it is the thing that we center our life on. That is our real cornerstone. That cornerstone, in many ways, will shape the direction of our lives. What is true about that cornerstone will likely become true of us and direct how and where and who we are becoming. Think about Luke 6 for a moment, that story in the Bible where the rains come down and the floods come up. And Jesus' encouragement in that parable was to build the house upon the rock, not the sand. The only thing that is perfect enough, strong enough, true enough in this whole world to take the entire weight of our loves is Jesus Christ. If we build on anything else, it will crumble. It will compromise. It just can't hold the weight of our unfulfilled expectation 
and hopes. Even the greatest things in life that are designed to be good, unless it is Jesus Christ, unless we build upon him, it will crumble. It just can't take the weight of our entirety, our children, our family, our careers. These things are good and can be grafted into the house, but they are not the cornerstone on which we build upon. We will never have enough money. Our kids can never fulfill all of our needs and expectations. It would be unfair to put the weight of all of our loves onto them, but they are precious to us. But only when we build upon Jesus, only he is strong enough to take the weight of our loves can everything else find its place into that. So following Jesus isn't just about grafting him into the metaphorical house of your life. Coming to him means being taken apart in the love and mercy of God and being rebuilt upon Jesus. And that's Peter's advice to the Christians here in this letters. As we come to him, the living stone, build our lives from there. Don't just believe in a general way, but put the gravity of your life on Jesus. I'm going to finish with an illustration. And it is a question, really. Can anybody tell me what is the most famous stone in history? And it is not Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Tell me a famous stone. What was that, Jemima? The Rosetta Stone. No, it's famous, but not the most famous. The Rolling Stones. No, it's not the Rolling Stones. What was that one? The Tablets of the Ten Commandments. It could be, but I don't think it's that one either. It's not Stonehenge. It's not the buildings of St. Thomas in the city center, as glorious as they are, and we can't wait to be in them in the coming weeks but it is arguably the stone that wasn't there. The stone that covered the empty tomb. The stone that was intended to be a security door that was to stop anybody going in and anybody coming out. And it ended up becoming a visible sign to us as God's people of the goodness of God. You can hold my stone, yes. This is what we're going to do in a moment. It ended up being the stone that is a sign to us of the goodness of God. And it is true. And it is astounding. Nobody in all of history has been able to to explain reasonably why that stone was rolled away and why that tomb was empty. It is true that Jesus was risen from the dead. And that stone to us is a picture, a reminder of the goodness of God. And it is a reminder to us that our faith is built on Jesus, the stone of life, the cornerstone. Andrew Wilson finishes his book, um, the chapter on stones, by saying these words. I just want to read these words, and then we'll go into a time of prayer together. As the sun rose that morning, the unmovable stone of death was rejected, so that the stone of life, whom the builders rejected, might become the cornerstone. This, as Jesus and his disciples had sung three nights before, was the Lord's doing, and it was marvelous in our eyes. Creation was always meant to point us to God. Particularly today, we're looking at stones which remind us of the triumph of God. So those, I've got a lot of stones. I'm going to um, pass them around, and we're going to use them as a way of praying um, today. 
And we're going to pray for some things in the life of the church. We'll pray for our friends who are down at New Wine, serving local churches, changing nations. Um, we'll pray for our building in the city center, that they wouldn't just be stones that are dead and a, a memorial of a time long gone of a king who is left, but we as a church would be living stones declaring the goodness of God to the people of Newcastle. So we'll use these stones as an aid to pray for ourselves as God's church here in Newcastle, and we'll pray for one another too. Um, so I've got some stones. I'll do my best to circle them around. We've got some felt tips, and there is some things on Facebook called Love on the Rocks, and I would encourage you to join that Facebook group. And I would say, draw on these rocks today what God has been speaking to you about. It might be that he is trustworthy, and you might want to draw in a simple picture how God is trustworthy to you. It might want, you might want to just put a love heart. And it might be that you want to hide these in Newcastle for people to find this week. Or it might be that as you go about your week and day, you want to hide this in your front garden. So every single time you leave your house this week, you see this white stone on the floor and you're reminded of the goodness of God, that he is trustworthy and true, and that we are to base our lives on him. If I can't get a felt tip pen to you, the stones are bright white, so that alone, hopefully, should clash beautifully with whatever color scheme you've chosen for your garden, and will be a visible reminder to you this week of the goodness of God. I'm going to distribute these stones. If we could have some music on, use this as a time to pray for our friends at New Wine, for our church family, for yourself to trust Jesus. And I will bring us together in the words of the collect to end our time of prayer in a couple of minutes' time. Uh, let me bring our prayers to a close by... Um, adding a prayer of my own. Father, thank you for speaking to us through the Bible. We pray, written word, would you reveal more of Jesus, the living word, to us? And would we be able to love you more dearly, follow you uh, more nearly, and know you more clearly through what we've heard and for what we hold in our hands in this rock? Would it tell us of Jesus, the cornerstone, and how that describes his life and his love for us. Amen. We're going to join now by saying the words of the collect together, which Anglicans all over the world will be saying today. So it's not just us here gathered in Newcastle to coming together to praise Jesus, but millions of us all over are going to join in saying this prayer today. So it'll appear on the screen behind me. Let's use this as a way of praying and preparing as we come to the Lord's table to share in the bread and wine. Let's say these words together now. Creator God, you made us all in your image. May we discern you in all we see and serve you in all we do. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.